Welcome to the Big Ed Idea Podcast, a podcast for those looking to change the world through education. Each week, we bring you a new idea, however big or bold it is, that has the potential to disrupt, upheave, or remix education. Now, here's your host, my dad, Ryan Scott. We are back. Yes, folks, we are back to the Big Ed Idea Podcast. Um, it is I, Ryan Scott, one more time come to you from the beautiful city of Henderson, Kentucky. Um, I'll tell you, this is going to be episode number 43, and I'm really stoked um, to have a young lady today um, that dabbles, actually doesn't dabble, she's at a pretty deep into something that I love, and that is helping kids, uh, um, kid, I guess, underserved kids um, in our community, and she is definitely a world changer, and she's definitely one of those people with a huge servant heart, um, and so I am super excited to welcome Miss Daphne Maddox. Um, she is a wife. She is a mama. She has been on the CASA or CASA staff for 23 years. Currently, she is the executive director of CASA of Midwest Kentucky, which is in Madisonville, Kentucky. And we'll talk a little bit more about what CASA is. But uh, Miss Daphne, welcome to the Big Ed Idea podcast. Thank you for having me. No, thank you very much. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you reached out and you're like, hey, you know, let's talk. Yes, absolutely. I love doing that. And generally, I think connected us so great. Absolutely. So I'm hoping to give you a space that we can get your message out because um, I know how vital um, CASA is for our kids. And um, I know they have a need for volunteers and stuff. So I'm really, really, really hoping that this gets out there and somebody out there um, is ignited, a spark is, is lit, and they're like, I need to do this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, on this uh, Big Ed Idea podcast, we try to keep it real. Um, and so what I have started doing is letting listeners know what's going on in my house. Um, because, look, I'm a regular dude. I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm a husband. Um, I've got four daughters. One is off at college, and the other three are in elementary school. So, things get crazy around this house. And so I, I, I want to let my, my folks out there know what is going on at the Scott household. So this past weekend, my wife and I decided to take the girls camping. Um, it is their first time. It was their first time camping. I'm an avid. Uh, I like to go out in the woods for about three days with my pack and my dog. And just, I, I love, love that kind of stuff. My girls, not so much. Um, and so we went to a little place in Southern Indiana and we camped for a couple of days, which it was just amazing. It was beautiful. The weather was perfect um, until Saturday night at midnight. It started to rain and we quickly discovered that our tent was not waterproof. Um, and our four year old proceeded to wake us up soaking wet. And so at five in the morning, I said, let's roll and uh, everybody got packed up. We left the tent in the trash can and we headed back to Dodge. Um, it, we are literally, we, we, we say affectionately, like we are just like the Griswolds, but um, <laughs> we, had, we really are. We, everywhere we go, we went to Disney World, it rained the whole time. Um, something usually happens, um, but isn't that what memories are all about? Yes, that's great. 
<laughs> all right. So, um, all right, let's start off, Miss Daphne. Um, I did introduce you as the executive director of CASA mm-hmm. of Midwest Kentucky. So explain to our listeners out there, what is CASA? Because there is, you know, there's the acronym, I guess there's a acronym C-A-S-A. Um, so what is that? What does it stand for? What is it? Um, and then ultimately, how did you get into this? All right. Well, CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Um, that is a big, long acronym that basically means that we train community volunteers to represent abused, neglected kids that come into the court systems through social services. So they have an abuse or neglect charge with the parents and these kids are coming into the court uh, needing placement, foster care, relative care, something like that. And our volunteers, this is a national program, National CASA started in Seattle back in 87. So it's been a national program. It's been in Kentucky since 97. Oh, okay. So uh, or no, excuse me. Yeah. 90, early nineties, I think okay. uh, in Kentucky and then 97 in, in our area. So we're excited, but, um, with CASA, we are training people to advocate for kids. Um, so they go through a lot of good training, um, screening and things like that. And all aspects of the child's life, not just physical or mental, it's educational. We're trying to make sure that that child, once we're done, in that period of their life that they come out on the other side better, that they maybe will not repeat the cycle that their parents have put them in. Super interesting. And and I definitely would say there's, I mean, just from 14 years in education, I can tell you there is a huge need for that. So I'm curious then, you've been in this for 23 years. Um, What started it? Like what led you into it? Yes, well, I... I was a high school student who had no idea what I wanted to do back then, you know, 28 (laughs) years ago, they didn't talk to you about what you wanted to do. All of a sudden you graduated. My parents were not college graduates. Okay. And so I was like, I like helping people. That's pretty nice. My senior year, I did a co-op at the mental health center and I did medical records, but I got to be around what I called crazy people and thought that was pretty exciting. I didn't have to work at Dairy Queen or something. And so I was like, these people are social workers. I could totally do this every day. And so then I started looking into programs. I went to community college for a year and a half and then transferred to university of Southern Indiana and went into their social work program. And uh, they had, so a USI requires two different field placements. So in the spring you do, you do one in the fall. That's short two days a week. And I did that at the hospital and circled around with all the social workers in the hospital and medical okay, okay. and all that. No fun. Then I went to a nonprofit agency that did child abuse prevention and was introduced to CASA and parenting classes and child abuse prevention curriculum and things like that. And I, I was a student there uh, four days a week for the semester. And when my time was up, the person that was in the position of the CASA director and counselor was leaving. Oh, and so they were like, Hey, Daphne, would you like to apply? And I'm like, well, I need to put a resume together real fast. So like within three weeks of graduating college, I put together a resume and was hired into the position that I continue to hold now. It's evolved over the years wow. and morphed out of a nonprofit agency that was an umbrella into back in 2016, that nonprofit went under. And I was able to pull out the CASA program because I felt so strongly about yeah. 14 volunteers at that time serving 50 kids. And I felt like, how do you just say, oh, sorry, yeah, right. we're you not can't. here anymore. You can't. Oh, 
over a year process, you know, it's not easy to set up a nonprofit. And so I had a great board and we set it up and um, now we're serving six counties. We went from one county to six in those, you know, four years, but for five years now. So, so that's what I just kind of poof ended there and um, have had many opportunities to move up, to leave, to do things. But um, I just love what I do. I feel like I'm called to do it. Yeah. I feel like everybody tells me I could never do your job. I could never do that. But if everybody thought like that, then who's going to do this job? Right. So I have to find a way to do it. And, uh, you know, I believe my faith plays a big role in it. I believe that I'm called to do this. And that's how I face it each day. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. Uh, so I guess you could, you you would say that this is your purpose. Absolutely. 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 And I would say also, you know, it's, I think it's the same thing with teaching. Like people say, oh, I could never deal with those kids. But I promise you, like, give me a half of your day, come into a classroom, interact with these kids, build connections with these kids, and you'd be hooked. And I, and I would, I would gather it's the same thing kind of in, in your position. It, it is, it is. And we tell everybody, like, we're not asking you to save all the children. We're asking you to give some of your time to help one child. Right. And one sibling group, whatever that looks like. And um, helping people to realize that you don't have to do the big problem, yeah. but interject yourself where you can. What, what does your time and your skills and your talents allow you to do and help us plug you in to where you can do that? That's right. That's exactly right. That's awesome. I love that. Um, so one of the one of my favorite segments of my show is the two for two. And it's it's kind of as I told you before I hit that record button, it is my way of modeling to any educator or really anybody out there um, that you got to form a connection with somebody before you can start to get into the stuff. Um, and so I have two questions for you. I'm going to ask you to um, totally unrelated to what we're going to talk about. Um, and then you get to turn around, which I'm, I'll be honest, you gave me like this menacing uh, emoji on your email. So I'm really worried about what these questions might be, but that's okay. You know, that's what I signed up for. So, all right. I want you to finish this sentence. When I retire. Oh gosh. Yeah. When I retire. I'm going to be playing with grandbabies, hopefully, if my kids will ever get in gear. And uh, I will probably be a CASA volunteer, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to turn around and like be like, oh, I can do this. But now I don't have to, you know, I can have one case instead of supervising through six counties. Um, so I look forward to doing that and relaxing. But I don't see that happening for a really long time. You, you don't sit still very well, do you? I do not. I do not. I have, they laugh. If you were to, if I was to ever have to share my screen at work, I have like 20 tabs open at any given time. One day it was 42. They made me count Holy and I had 42 tabs open because I, I just need to do multiple things. You know, <laughs> I get bored easy. Okay. Well, that's all right. And then, yeah. all right. My next one, um, a hidden talent that maybe not many people know about you. That I can make up a song to go with anything that you say almost like every statement triggers a song for me and I I feel compelled to sing like a moment of it and I can't sing <laughs> so it, it's probably the irritating thing for my family we can drive down the road and my husband says something he's like oh god why did I say that <laughs> because there you are singing the you know whatever it, like it's it's silly things like um if somebody asks for their hairbrush I immediately go into the silly song 
of the veggie tales of, oh, where is my hairbrush? And it's, it's, it's just whatever it is. My uncle Danny did it and we used to laugh at him, but apparently I picked that trade up. So, so it's a hidden talent. I can just, I can, I can do it. I'm very similar. Um, pretty much I can describe any, any moment in time with a song. Um, I know way too much about song lyrics and music and bands and all that (laughs) stuff. That's kind of like some people have movie quotes and I have music. Um, I just love music. I've, I've played music my whole life. I play different types of music. Um, there's not one type of music I don't really listen to. So yeah, I get it. So maybe, maybe while we're recording here, you're going to bust out a little bit of, I hope um, not. Oh gosh, it would be <laughs> awful for, for your listeners. That yeah. would be bad. Yeah, please. If, so if she busts out, um, don't leave. It will not last that long, I promise. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. Very good. All right, my friend, what questions do you have for me? Okay. Well, I've thought long and hard and I've crossed out a lot of questions, but I always do this in my trainings and I just, I feel the need to find out other people's this yeah what is your favorite joke what is a joke that you're known <laughs> for telling or were um that that's a big thing in our family we tell uh, we find stupid punny jokes we call them dad jokes whatever and we're constantly texting them to each other all the time i love so. i love dad jokes um mm-hmm. my students at school know me as the guy that passes out licorice and also the guy just just makes up the worst jokes mm-hmm. um Today, I was popping into classrooms asking them, okay, if a zombie were to come in, uh, would Mr. or Mrs. count them here or absent? Because, you know, a zombie's not really a person. So do you really? (laughs) But yeah. But no, my favorite um, dad joke is why do ducks have feathers? I don't know why. To cover up their butt quack. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> great. Genius. Great. Totally yes. genius. Very, very and good. totally very a dad good. joke. Um, totally. I became instantly funnier when I had uh my first child. Or at least I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Great. What uh what is your next question for me? All right, your my next one is what is your most annoying habit that your wife or your kids say, say that you have? Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Most annoying habit. Um, I'm really, really good at ignoring. Like uh, I can, I've got four children. And so my daughters are 18, nine, six, and four. Um, the, the, obviously the oldest ones at Murray and the other three um, aren't very quiet. They, um, they play rather well. Um, I'm not saying they get along. They just are good players. And, but I'm really good at, I just sit there and read my book while they are screaming and yelling. And um, for whatever reason, my wife does not have that ability and it annoys the heck out of her. Yep. I, I think that's a male trait <laughs> for a lot of folks. Hey, my husband will say, you never told me that. And I'm like, you were in tune out. We call it tune out mode. He just, yeah, sure. Like, it's sure. tuned out and whatever happened during that period it didn't happen because the game was on or yeah whatever was happening um but whatever we said didn't happen so i started writing things and posting them on refrigerator things like that (sighs) yeah so um yeah i created a google calendar for our family (laughs) and my wife and oldest daughter know that if they want anything done or they need to schedule anything 
they better put it on the Google calendar or dad is not going to remember. My life is, I have a a personal Google calendar, a family Google calendar. I have a Google calendar for administration at work, a Google calendar for our conference room at work, um, a Google calendar for our bills and budget. Uh, Yeah, so anybody out there that works for Google, um, you owe me a little money for advertisement. There you go, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> little google there little google ad okay so uh now that you know me and um you haven't ran um yeah. and i know you i am excited to get into this the stuff i'm ready to get into yeah. uh what makes casa um why it is good for kids um but before we can get into you know what your idea is that would change the world of or through education we got to know what is the problem in education that you see? And I'm super, I'm really actually interested because you're somebody outside of the realm of education, but what you do directly affects education. So um, let's hear it. What is the problem? Our problem is the, the abused, neglected kids. So um, that's the big overreaching problem, but how does that impact their education? Is our kids, when they're involved with abuse or neglect, generally they're gonna be placed outside the home. How many kids live next door to the place where they're going to be placed? They don't. So they're getting moved to another county, to another school district. Um, So these kids have moves. We also know with the foster care system and the child abuse system that children um, have multiple moves in their portion of their, you know, time and care, whatever it is. Um, So we have kids moving from place to place, um, not having an educational home, as you want to call it. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a big problem. Um, I think the legislators try to do some things to fix that, but, um, I think, you know, we have kids who are in that before we even get to it, you know, that's part of the problem is, you know, um, the school sees it, um, they report it. And, and then we finally get to the point where we can step in and try to do something. But I think that's the overreaching initial problem is that we have child abuse, but then when we get involved, kids have to be removed for their safety, but that also then starts this domino effect of the child moving from an educational home that maybe they've been in their whole life or maybe not. Maybe we have some kids who, you know, had was in kindergarten in three different schools districts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was before they became into the care of the cabinet and so in foster care. Um, so we have kids that are, are losing academic years because of this. Um, you know, because every school district is is different, completely different. We'd like to think that they're all teaching the same thing every week, but they use different curriculums, different teaching methods. Uh, and these kids pick up in one and they're dropped in another. And, and now we got to figure out, do they have an IEP? Do they have a 504 plan? Are they in a kind of tiered, you know, help? And we got to wait for that record to get here and somebody's yeah. got to read the record. And yeah. then nobody tested the kids. So there's this, it's a huge problem huge problem that we see. Yeah. A couple things, a couple things there. I am, uh, one of my huge, huge passions is children of poverty, um, particularly ACEs and Mm -hmm. ACE scores and how ACEs affect children, um, mobility, um, how mobility affects children. Um, I ran across some statistics that, um, children with an ACE score of three or more or two times more likely Wait a minute. Let me let me get let me let me back up. 
children of poverty are two times more likely to have an A score of three or more. Mm -hmm. Children with an A score of three or more are 32 times more likely to struggle academically. Mm -hmm. And so if you go backwards in that, and, and I think about this too, childhood poverty is on the, on the rise. Um, state of Kentucky, it's 21%. Nationally, it's 20%. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, as poverty rises, so does neglect, abuse, yes. all of those things. So it's a, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in systems thinking that you can't just think linearly and just solve a problem by just mm -hmm. looking at one thing. Um, I'm a big believer. If we want schools to improve, we also have to improve the lives of our children. Um, and so that's why I, where you come in. And that's why I was so excited to hear you because yeah. I have seen first firsthand. So knowing what you said, that um, mobility is an issue, that mm -hmm. abuse and neglected children are, is a huge, huge issue. Um, what is your, your idea? What can we do? Well, that's where CASA comes in. Um, this is a program, we're a nonprofit program. It's volunteer-based. Um, so you come, you're screened, you don't have to do, it's not a full-time job. My volunteers spend five to 10 hours a month. Um, so tell me, can you carve out five to 10 hours a month? I'm sure you've wa binged watched something for five hours straight <laughs> at some point, especially more than COVID. that. Yes. Um, so it's, it's prioritizing and figuring out how you can do it. We find out busy people are usually the ones who do it anyway. People tell me they need to be retired to do this, that you do not. Most of my volunteers work full or part-time. We have some retirees. Um, those usually take several cases because they're, you know, they want to be really involved and connected. But I think the idea is that we get people involved with CASA and then um, we help them understand all the different roles that they can play as advocates. So they're advocating in the court system for permanency for these kids so that we don't forget that they don't need to linger in foster care. We're advocating that they get services to address the, the ACE scores, the things that you talked about, the trauma, um, because we need to fix that. We need to heal those issues. Um, we're dealing with parents on a different level. The cost of volunteers are, they're meeting with them monthly, making sure they're doing their case plan, which will include mental health, parenting, um, getting a home, stable home, stable employment, legal form of employment even, um, those kind of things to help stability in the home. And then we also teach the volunteers about the educational process. Um, and I have retired teachers who make phenomenal CASA volunteers because they lived it for 20 years in the yeah. school system and yeah. they couldn't go home and fix what was happening at home. It stopped at the door. And so when they come to CASA, they're like, I can see so many of these faces specifically that I wish I could have helped. And oh, so gosh. when they come to CASA, they can do something. Um, for maybe not that child, but for a child like them. Yeah. Um, so we do have a lot of retired educators that come back and they've helped teach us some things about the education system because, you know, as CASA, we're not authorities in any one subject. I tell people, you know, we are like the common sense approach to this whole system. We have attorneys, we have social workers, we have judges, we have, you know, all these people involved, uh, but somebody needs to be there listening to that child. The child can tell you what's going on. The child has issues they want addressed. Um, and then things that we think is in their best interest needs to be addressed. Um, you know, some, not every kid is going to tell you they want to be in school. We have some teenagers, you know, they don't want to be in school. Um, they so, say that. Uh, 
yes, they say that they, yeah. So we figure out how to get them there so that they can, you know, get plugged back in. And that's usually the deal is finding where they, they fit, yeah. find that group. And high school is really good about that. You just got to get, get your group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I spent 12 years in elementary. Now I'm on my third year actually at the high school level. Um, but one thing I have learned is that kids, kids thrive and yearn for structure and routine and especially those kids that come from the situations that you deal with Um, these kids that literally have no structure no routine sometimes they make the absolute best students if you can like you said if you can find them a sense of permanent permanency um connect them with some caring adults within the building or outside of the building. Um, yeah, I'm convinced that that programs like yours, um, I was involved with big brothers, big sisters for a little bit. Um, very similar trying to build relationship with these kids. Um, I'm convinced programs like CASA, um, is what literally I wish every school had a CASA for every school. Because I can think of out of my school of almost 700 kids, mm-hmm. I can think of probably 200 that have some type of, probably have A scores more than four. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We see kids all the time. And, and, and I think the one thing that CASA has trouble with is because uh, the topic of child abuse is so taboo. It's a family issue. We don't air, some people air it on Facebook, but most people, you know, we don't air it out everywhere. We don't want to talk about it. That's somebody's personal business. Um, but really it, it's a community's business. Your kids are sitting next to kids that have been abused or neglected. Um, my son comes home and has told me things that, you know, this kid has told him about, you know, having multiple therapists and doing different things, you know, and all these things. And he comes home and, and, you know, is tore up over it. So our kids are impacted by who they're sitting next to, who their best friend is going to be. So we should want those kids to be as healthy and as productive as possible. Um, and CASA volunteers have to be appointed by a judge. And so that's the, the kind of thing that that's why we have to wait till it gets to the court system. But once we're involved, we, you know, latch onto that kid, that family, and we're there till that child receives permanency. So permanency is either return home safely a permanent relative custody or adoption, which is the final thing. Uh, so one of those three things happens before that CASA is off that case. So we could be there for a year and a half working with this family. And that is a really long time to be able to get some safeguards in place, to get um, other community people involved. Uh, our volunteers, when they go into the school system, um, they try to, you know, we meet with usually the principal, vice principal, guidance uh-huh. counselor. Each school is different. Um, it's according to who does what in that school. Some, some, you know, someone like, I think it's like the vice principal sometimes is like the, that's me. Assistant principal. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you get to deal with the troublemakers or you're dealing with the, the high issue it. kids. That's what I love. Those kind of things. And so we figure out which, you know, which person that is at the school that happens to be most in tune with our child at the higher level. Right. And then we ask that person to help introduce us to all the other teachers. We usually do like email chains and tell them that, you know, we've sent the court order from the judge saying that we can talk to everybody uh-huh. and can be involved. And then that usually opens up the floodgates because we email that teacher and say, hey, we're involved. We're here. We've had teachers email us and say, Johnny is off today. I don't know what's going on. And we're able to say, hey, he had a visit with his mom for the first time in six months. Yeah. 
yesterday. Yeah. Well, then that teacher's like, whew. Yeah. Okay. I get it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Great. I can give a little bit of mercy today. I can, I can, you know, do that. Or the kid got moved to a new placement. He's still in the same school, but his medicine didn't make it with him. So we've had that and being able to head it off because caseworkers are a lot of times super busy and they don't return phone calls and aren't as responsive as, uh, you know, the volunteer can be. And so sometimes the teacher would get a hold of the volunteer before they would ever get a hold of a caseworker and that volunteer can help them. You know, it's not our job to share all this information, but if we feel like it's going to make a difference and, and get a need met for that child, then absolutely we're going to share that information. Okay. So I, I'm just envisioning um, a squad of volunteers with capes um, because what I'm, what I'm seeing here is that these are people that are giving up their own free time to change the world. Like they're not paid to do it. Um, I would say they're led to do it. Um, one of my, one of my hashtags I love to throw out there is walk the gospel. Um, to me, this is a very servant led nonprofit organization, you know, regardless of, you know, whatever your faith is, you are serving these kids and, um, you are literally like kind of you alluded to, like it's in the best interest of our community to help these kids. It is, it is absolutely. And, uh, you know, right now we have 33 amazing individuals over our six counties. Amazing. Uh, I tell one of our coworkers all the time, I can't believe people do this because it, it can be heartbreaking. It can be frustrating. You know, when you're dealing with multiple systems, you know, nobody talks to each other sometimes or, uh, you know, whatever. And so it, it can be frustrating, but to know that you have these volunteers who stick with it, who are the squeaky wheel, a lot of times in our yeah. cases who yeah. are like, I, you know, maybe everybody needs this service, but guess who's going to get the service. It's going right. to be my CASA kid. Right. Cause I'm going to make the phone calls. I'm going to find the service wherever it's at. And then I'm going to tell people how to get, get the child there to, to that service. Oh gosh. So that's, yeah. We need to get you guys in the schools. Well, we, we try, um, and it's kind of whenever we're assigned to a kid, then that's when we make that introduction yeah. to the schools. Yeah. We, we have been trying to work at the higher levels, you know, work with the board of education and things like that. Hopkins County, we're doing pretty good. We've been around long enough that they're very familiar with us. Um, some of the other counties that we haven't been in as long, uh, it's a, it's a kind of like the meat in the dory, the fish, you yeah. know, like, Oh, hello. Who are you? What are your name? And yeah. you go through that. I'm Casa. Yes. I'm, I have a court order. You can talk to me. Um, you know, because there's some walls built up there, you know, it's privacy and, you know, we, sure. we can't share this information. So, uh, and with there being so many schools, you know, um, then we end up, you know, doing that wherever our kids are, we, we there's send a lot information. Of and, yeah. 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 Okay. So um, walk me through this. Um, so we know we've talked about CASA, you know, the why we've talked about uh, kind of what they do. Um, talk to me about the process of if somebody was wanting to become a CASA volunteer, kind of what are the steps? And then once they became a CASA volunteer, what would their like normal, you know, week mm -hmm. look like? Okay. Well, for those that are interested the easiest thing to do is to hop on our website, which is okay. midwestcasa.org. Super easy. There's a tab that says volunteer. If you click it, it's going to take you to a section of the website that has a video on it. It's a cartoon video. It's about three minutes. It is a very short synopsis of what CASA is. It's great. It really explains how CASA fits into the whole role. Um, you can watch that video. If you're moved and you feel like you want to know more, there's some more information 
Uh, CASA volunteers have to be 21 years of age, um, of good moral character is what the Kentucky law says. So that, you know, whatever that is. Right. Um, but that means they have to pass background checks and all of those good things that we do and three references in an application. Once, and that can all be completed online. So you would click the, I wanna apply. You can go online and apply. It'll come straight to us. And then we'll follow up with you. Uh, after your application is accepted and the background checks are in, we do an interview. Um, it's basically you getting to know us, us getting to know mm -hmm, you, right. making sure the motivations are correct. We have some folks who are out to avenge all the sex offenders in the world, and yeah. that's not a good fit for us. Yeah. Our, you know, we want it to be solely child focused, and uh, we don't want to do anything that would cause attention to be drawn away from the actual issue. So we, it's a screening process, that first interview. Then after the interview, we set you up for training. Currently, due to COVID, we have um, virtual guided learning. <laughs> yes, it's virtual. Um, it's, it's so much fun. It's kind of like being on a college class. National CASA redid the uh, training and did a lot of videos and things. And so you click through uh, your each week's segment, watch videos and read material. And then we come together for two week, two hours each week to discuss the materials via Zoom. So it's really easy uh, to do that. We have two training sessions going on right now with about, I think, eight people in it. So oh, we're good. excited. Good. Um, so we have a couple, Henderson, yeah, Henderson, Muhlenberg, Hopkins, and Webster County folks are going through it right now. So we're excited uh, to get that started. Um, but after that process, after you're trained, it's 30 hours of training. So you do 20 on your own, 10 in person, or not in person, but in person in virtual. via Zoom. <laughs> yes, in virtual. Uh, and then you're actually sworn in by the family court or the oh, district court cool. judge. So that you're sworn in um, and you're given an oath of confidentiality. Every case that we deal with is confidential. They call them into the courtroom one at a time. So the volunteer being able to be there and privy to that information, they have to have this oath. And so they have to take it, you know, that would be an easy way to get dismissed is if we find that you're not keeping the information confidential, you're out. Um, because that's the basis of this, you know, they sure. don't just let anybody sit in a family court and hear this private information. So they have to hold those up. Um, and then once uh, they're commissioned, then we sit down and we help pick up a case. Um, so a lot of our counties are small um, and everybody knows everybody. So we have to be careful sometimes. So we present cases um, and then let them see who the people are. You know, we have a you know, a newborn baby drug addicted, or we have a three-year-old who is neglect. And they're like, oh, those sound good. And then we let them see who the people are, the actual names. Oh, that's my next door neighbor. Oh, okay. Well, obviously that, won't, that work. won't work. Right. Oh, I taught that person CPR three years ago. Uh, okay. You know, in small communities, um, you know, three years ago, you spent a day with them teaching them CPR, probably not a close connection. Um, so, but as, you know, as long as you, you know, we go through that and, and connect them to a family. So once they get that family, then they, each month they're required to see the child at least monthly, if not more often, some, some text and call and we do porch visits and, you know, all these virtual fun, you know, uh, a lot of our older volunteers were struggling with getting onto the FaceTime, Google yeah. Duo, yeah. Zoom, um, but we've, we've helped a lot of them understand that even two-year-olds can communicate that way. Yeah. Like they're completely comfortable with yeah. a, a phone in their hand. And so getting the volunteers to understand that when it's not safe to go in person, that you can visit other ways. And so they do that uh, monthly. They visit with the parents monthly. So they're going to the parents' home if it's safe and meeting with them and asking them what they're doing on their case plan. Are they doing their task? Because the goal initially is for those kids to go home. So we need to know if the home is safe. 
if the parents are doing what they need to do. Uh, and then we go to court um, and most volunteers go to court about three to four times a year. So it's not every single week, Yeah. Uh, but you make a report to court as to what you see. And we have a format and we t- tell you all about that in training. Um, but you're just telling the judge your common sense side of it. You know, I met with the parents and this is what they told me. I met with the kids and this is what they told me. The teacher's concerned about, you know, this and whatever. And so we go through all of that um, and help them, um, you know, put it all into a report and then they go to court and they can speak up in court. And then they're just monitoring that case until permanency is achieved. That's so cool. That sounds super interesting. Um, to my listeners out there, I'll tell you, I, I, I know one of you that are listening, this has piqued your interest. Um, that's really, you know, that's the reason we did this episode. Um, the world needs more people that are willing to stand up um, for other people that are willing um, to fight the good fight, so to speak. Um, and so I'm super, super honored to have had uh, Miss Daphne on here this evening to talk about um, something she has been invested in, like deep for 23 years. Um, so as we wind it down, um, Daphne, tell me, tell me maybe of one child that you can think about in the last 23 years that was one of your well obviously you can't tell me their name or anything but like was a a success story because of a cost of volunteer okay well there are a lot i'll tell you the one that was was actually one of mine um because she's made it public and known so um she was an awful teenager wouldn't speak to me the first time I went and seen her told me she didn't have time for me she had a lot of things going on she had a brother and some other siblings but um I thought I had failed because I had never taken a case myself and I thought well four years into it I should take a case and see what I'm telling these people to do you know and then I came back the very first time and thought I had failed because this child wouldn't talk to me Fast forward, I learned about Dawson's Creek and watched all those episodes and we had something <laughs> to talk about. Um, this so must have been the had, 90s. Yes, we had to connect. Right. We had to connect um, and had to watch all of those episodes and, and figure out how to, to be with, you know, to be able to connect with her. Um, and then um, after that, it was great. You know, we were, I was there, the case lasted for several years, but fast forward um, 10 years. And I'm sitting at McDonald's with my family and I have, a, with the job that I have, I don't usually talk to people unless talk to first, because most people that I don't know that talk to me or my family doesn't know, knows that they're probably my clients. So I just don't strike up conversations like that unless they do. And then, you know, they, they can choose to break the confidentiality if they want. She came up to me and she said, do you remember me? And I said, I do, I think maybe, but you know, it's been 10 years and we've both changed. And she's like, you're Daphne with Casa, right? And I was like, yeah. She said, you still with Casa? And I said, yeah. She, she told me her name and she said, I want you to meet my husband and my child. I've told them so much about you. Oh, wow. 10 years. And I'm like crying and she's introducing me to her husband and her child. And he's like, I've heard so much about you, Daphne, and all that you did for her back when she was a kid. I call that a God wink. And I was like, and that came at a point when I, I needed that. God does that ever, every so often uh, when I'm like, why am I still doing this? I should probably move on and let fresh eyes. And then I'll get a, I'll get a message on Facebook and it'll be a volunteer saying they reconnected with a kid that was an adult now. And 
and they sought him out to tell him wonderful things or just, it, yeah. So it comes at the right time. And so that came at a time when I needed it, uh, needed it the most. And, and I still see her every now and then as she always runs up and hugs me and, and tells me how things are going and, and to see her as a productive member of society is just awesome. Yeah. My educators out there, you totally understand what Daphne's talking about. That's why we do it. Um, I'm a big content before our connections before content person. Um, we are in this business, all of, all of my educators out there, we are in this business because literally um, it's those connections that we form with, with, with our students. Um, and I think CASA has the ability for regular folks out there outside of education to do virtually the same thing. And so Daphne, um, as we close, I want to tell you, thank you for sitting with me this evening. Thank you for um, your gift of time. Thank you for uh, your gift of service through, through CASA and, and what you have done for my area. Um, I know I have several listeners from all over the United States, outside of the United States. Um, but thank you what, for what you're doing to make my area a better place for my kids. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be able to share my passion with others and hopefully they'll feel it too and want to reach out to their local programs and see how they can help. There's multiple ways that they can help. They can help. They can serve on a board of directors. They can help with fundraisers. They can be an advocate for kids. You know, there's multiple things they can do. There's nothing too small. So definitely reach out. So you heard it. Uh, Big Ed Idea listeners, if you are interested um, or maybe you know somebody who would be awesome um, at this particular thing, please share with them Daphne's um, website. And I'm going to say it again. It is MidwestCasa.org. That's probably the best way to get hooked up um, with Casa. If, you know, if you want to message me and, you know, I can give you all the deets as well. Um, Yeah, I'm a high school guy. I just said deets. Um, You can hook up with me and I'll let you know all of those things. But um, I'm going to close this like I love to do. Um, I'm a big believer in dreaming and a big believer in dreaming big. And so I'm going to leave you with a quote tonight that's all about dreaming. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. And so for that, my Big Ed Idea listeners, once again, thank you so, so, so very much. And I'm going to close it like I always do with a quote from my big John, big John Janoski. He would have been 87 this week. He said, every single time I left him, I will see you in the funny paper. Thank you for hanging out with me here on the Big Ed Idea Podcast. My hope is that this would be a conversation, a meeting of the minds and a space for one person's vision to inspire the passions of another. However, none of this can happen without you. So let's be change agents together and build a better future. Please subscribe or reach out to me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Come to the conversation with your passion, and together, let's build something awesome. Until next time, I'll see you in the funny paper.